Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Sample Podcast. My guest today is someone that I've known for about seven years now. Graduated from the University of Texas with a BBA in Management Information, retired US Air Force captain with over 12 air medals, 60 combat missions flown around Afghanistan and Iraq, currently works as a full-time fund manager and stock options trader, red carpet host of numerable charity events, numerable events, and meme god of all gods, Mr. Michael Sartain, how are you today? So how's it going, man? What's going on? Yeah, not much, mate. I am happy to have you on. I know we have, as I said, we've known each other for seven years now. It's a bit it's a long time. Yeah. One of my one of my longtime friends. It's good to have you on the podcast, my friend. How have things been? What's well, been happening? Well, Tell me what's what's in your world. But before that, my my audience may not know who you are. As, as right. strange as that is, I would love to have you, uh, you know, just give us a little bit of a brief history about you, what led you to where you are in Las Vegas right now? It's really hard because you ever have somebody ask you like, how's it going? And like, I don't know how to answer that sometimes because I, I do manage, I work for a proprietary a prop firm as a portfolio manager. I work for a stock option brokerage as one of their feature traders. And then I host all of the bikini competitions in Las Vegas. Uh, I just hosted both Max and Parties uh, the one in Miami on the 30th and the one in Los Angeles on the 31st. I think I'm the only person in, in, the, in history to ever do both. Um, and then, uh, you know, I used to work, uh, I was a videographer. Uh, I've done videography at the Playboy Mansion before. Uh, and then also I rescue animals and I'm the host of Babes in Toyland and I'm the host of Paradise Challenge. Sometimes whenever, whenever they have an open, I do that also. And then I host, um, I am the, I have my podcast, which is probably the biggest thing I'm doing right now is the Michael Sartain podcast. Uh, we have a bunch of really cool guests. I had Dan Blazarian on there recently. Uh, I got Chloe Ture coming on. Um, Jeremy Piven from Entourage is coming on. I have a bunch of like huge guests that are coming on the podcast. Damn. And then you do, um, you do have that reach. So I can imagine that some yeah. of the guests that are coming up, especially yeah. even Dan Blazarian. I was actually looking at YouTube yeah. and everyone in the comments said that was the best interview they've actually seen of Dan, you know, better than the yeah. Elk Boys, better than Impulsive. And it was funny because I know you'd done your research on Dan. You knew Dan inside out better than he, even he knew himself. I live in Dan's old building. I live in Panorama Towers. And a good portion of the book takes place in Panorama Towers. And also I was friends with Dan before he had a million followers on Instagram. So I knew a lot of the crazy stories and parties, like for instance, in the book, he talks about a girl named Sophia, a girl named Lauren, a girl named Hannah. Well, I'm friends with all of them. I mean, I, their numbers are on my phone. They come to my event. So I, I knew the girl's last name, but Lindsay, obviously Lindsay, everyone knows it's Lindsay Palos, but Lindsay yeah. and I have since talked, I've interviewed Lindsay twice since, uh, since that whole thing. And Lindsay's also going to come on the podcast as well. But, you know, just all those things together. Uh, I, I, I knew I told Dan, I was like, because we had a conversation about it. And also the fact that I was in the military, uh, yes. I knew I was going to do a better pot. Uh, I was going to do a more thorough podcast uh, or interview of him than anyone would ever do. And I, the same thing is going to happen with Jeremy. Like, I just oh, know course. more about him personally than, than the than the other people. Uh, same thing that happened with Chloe. Uh, Chloe I, I interviewed Chloe Teray. She's a huge model, a uh, 15-time pla uh, Playboy cover model. And, uh, you know, I know her dad. Uh, the other guys who do the podcast with her, they don't know Andrea. And I've met Andrea several times. She met her father when she was 17. Uh, she was a love child of like this one-night stand between a, a DJ and, um, and, a, and a supermodel. And then all of a sudden they have this incredibly beautiful green-eyed goddess who's born in Tor you know, Toronto. And that's Chloe Teray. 
So, you know, just stuff like that. I also know all the guys that Chloe's dating because we talk about it. And it's funny because when you see the podcast, I say all their names, but I'm blanking out all their names. So everyone's going to try to figure out like who these guys are. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the things I do is I, I do just an unbelievable amount of research on my guests. And when they come, my, my goal is, so I had a theoretical physicist on a couple of days ago and we did the longest podcast I've ever done, three hours on quantum mechanics. Uh, we did it on um, uh, thermodynamics. We did what we talked about Galileo. We talked about Isaac Newton, relativity. Uh, we talked about Newtonian physics. Uh, and then we talked about alien life, all this kind of stuff. And it was very apparent to the theoretical physicist. He wasn't being you know, interviewed by a lay person. Although mm -hmm. I don't have a PhD in physics, I, I, I would have, you know, at least I have an undergraduate degree. Uh, where I studied physics um, as a minor, but like uh, since then, you know, I, I did so much studying for that podcast that like, I think he was impressed. And that's always my goal. My goal is to catch the, the interviewee off guard by the level of information that I have about them uh, mm -hmm. when I do the interview and for them to leave saying, wow, that was the most thorough anyone's ever done. But yeah, I do the podcast. And then of course, like the main thing I do now is the men of action program where I saw you, where I've seen you recently, uh, where I, I have a master program. Basically, if you want to learn every single facet of my life from the stock option trading to the, to the, how is it that I go, you know, my birthday party, there were 20, you know, 22 girls in Danville's area and show up to my birthday party. And all the girls, uh, you, you mentioned the university of Texas at Austin, all the girls were born burnt orange at my birthday because of my college. And I didn't ask you them think? to do that. Yeah. They oh, did that because, because I'm a longhorn and they, they did it for me. And then they all wore hat, cat ears because they know that I, I'm an animal rescue. They did that for me. I did not ask them to do that. They all showed up. It was basically four girls that invited another 20, 30 girls for me. And then these girls were all my friends. And then it was just this huge, huge party. And the owner of the Knicks, the New York Knicks, and the Rangers, James Dolan, who's at the table next to us, the owners of Tallahassee were at the table next to us. And then Bilzerian came. And the thing that was like, the thing that like really made me respect him a lot is that like, he didn't just go on stage and hang out with Steve Aoki because Steve Aoki was there. He yep. spent the whole night at my table, like hanging out with me. And like, I really, like, I really dig, like, I like Dan. He's a really fucking loyal mm -hmm. dude. And that's probably the reason why it's because uh, it's that. And also Dan is one of the few people in my life I know will never be jealous of me. Like, mm -hmm. that's why I like hanging out with Bulzarian. Like, there's a few guys like that. Jason Strauss, the guy who owns, uh, part yep. owner of Tahoksan. Mm -hmm. I know he's never going to be jealous of me. So that's why I like hanging out with him. Whereas with a lot of guys, I do have this problem where if somebody's a famous actor or a billionaire and I, they see me with a girl who's prettier than the girl they're with, they don't like me very much. They get very angry. So I like to hang out with dudes who I know are never going to be jealous. Uh, those tend to be the guys I spend more time with. But the Men of Action program is just like, uh, you've seen it before, Sam. Course, uh, yeah. social, net social networking, entrepreneurship, leadership, which is the main thing that I think people don't teach enough is leadership, non-passive aggressive communication mindset. And then we go into finance where I talk about a random market, market hypothesis and different types of trading techniques and a lot of different scams. And then MOA Advance came out on October 7th. And that is uh, high status networking. So how to be funny, breaking rapport, how to get people to qualify to you. And then we go into specific event planning. That's where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, we go into evolutionary psychology. I'm in talks with Dr. David Buss from UT Austin to come on my podcast uh, here pretty soon. And Gad Sad from uh, Concordia University. And then I'll, um, after that is uh, is it's critical thinking, which is going to be, uh, we're, we're actually going to read the, the, the Martian by Andy Weir. And then the last... Uh, the last pillar in MOA advance is called winning mindset. And that is going to be, um, we're going to read uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And hopefully I'm going to have Bulzarian reach out, Dan Bulzarian reach out to David Goggins to try to get him on my podcast. Try to get him. So hopefully that'll work out. Yeah. That's fascinating. You have this one ability where you can talk and everything makes sense. That's, right. that's my opinion of you. Every single thing, you know, I like, there are so many tangents I can go into so many different ways, but um, I think, I think a great, great thing that about you is that the books that you recommend, the knowledge that you have from that, 
listening to Audible at triple speed. You introduced yes. me to going past one times mode on Audible. And I think, you know, you you have a, a 200 book, like a 200 books book list. And yeah, the funny and thing I is, that I you- can't even update it. It's too fat. Like I'm a, I'm a hundred books over that. I, I just wow. I gave up. I have to find a new app to update it because I was literally co- I was coding in HTML. I was writing out the code. And I was like, <laughs> this is just taking too long. So I've given up. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the book list on a list on mm. a website for men of action and just do it like that. But also the other thing I realized is that a lot of those books near the end I don't want to recommend to you guys. Like oh, for instance, I read Song of Solomon. So so it's really funny because I'm not a I'm not a Bush or Obama or Trump supporter mm. or a Biden supporter. But Barack Obama recommended two books. One of them is called Song of Solomon, which is one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's down the bottom. Yeah. And, it, and it all, he also recommended Sapiens, which is one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Yes. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about the man's politics or anything or whether he's a terrific orator. None of that makes any difference to me. If mm-hmm. you recommend things that are smart, I give you credit for them. If you recommend yes. things that are stupid, I don't give you credit for them. That was it. So I thought uh, Sapiens really opened my mind up to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I would consider myself a dataist, which is described in the second Sapiens book called uh, Homo Deus. I am all in favor of things that increase the bandwidth, and I am against anything that decreases bandwidth. Yes, exactly. Well, you were yeah. the, you were the person that introduced me, you know, into statistics and science in say the the dating realm or the status yes. realm or the yeah. high status communication. You were the person. So one of the things I want to tell you is I'm actually I've gone through that list. I'm 67 books of the way in. You are the person that I've always gone to. Oh wow! I needed a book. Yeah, I've gone. I tried to complete every single book that you've recommended. Because someone that looks up here, it's like, as as I see, you know, they always say find mentors and stuff like that. And you you were yeah. the person where I was looking at, I'm like, if I was your age, you were the type of person that I would like to be like, you know what I mean? Right. You never see, you know, you always look at people that are maybe 20 years older than you, or, you know, in our case, I think it's like 14, 15 or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's where you want to be, but finding that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to read the books that he's going to read, you know? And uh, yeah, it's fascinating them all the way through. And I, and I definitely have have uh loved the books especially yeah. uh you know i'm not even sure if the people know but back in 2015 is when we met and i remember even yeah. back then i think you were talking about uh you know the evolutionary psychology of david m bus i know that the book came yeah. out in 94 but you were even on that so you've been a pioneer for me especially in the idea of you know hypergamy and status and all that sort of thing so i'd love to get down that route because you were you're the person that that I look to now to get my information from, right. you know, especially in that kind of thing. So, so where did, where did you find that? How did you come about that? Because that's a lot of the time. That's the questions that I got. How did, how did you find your avenue into that sort of realm or understanding? So the, the David busting started with a Ty Lopez book club where he okay. had a book called why, why women have sex. Mm-hmm. He had another book called uh, why beautiful people have more daughters by Satoshi Kamazawa. And I've become friends with Satoshi. I, I message him back and forth. Satoshi's wow. also friends with Gad Sad, who's also friends with David Buss. So it's mm-hmm. like this whole evolutionary psychology clicks. A little Pinker gang, a little that. group. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Steve, Stephen Pinker's in that group. Margot Wilson's in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit further out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, I don't have a PhD in evolutionary psychology. I just talk about it all the time. Yes. Uh, like, what well, for me, it's like the, the idea of evolution. So for those of you who don't understand, evolutionary psychology, uh, for, from my standpoint is, so you would take different models. Like, so in physics, you would have a classical model of physics, and then you would have a model that's described through quantum mechanics, and you'd have a model that's described through relativity. And the one that's described through relativity and the one that's described through quantum mechanics, they don't match up. So that's where we're trying to come up with things like quantum gravity and a theory of everything and stuff like that. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, a disagreement there, right? There's a conflict, mm-hmm. right? So for me, it was like, what form for, for psychology uh, and 
and understanding sociology, how inter humans interact with each other. So they're, so BF Skinner and behaviorists, they have a model, they have a standard model of how the world works. And then uh, it's funny because if you ask David Buss, the father of evolutionary psychology is Charles Darwin. It's not David Buss. Um, so I, I think that's, it's really interesting because he, when you realize it's like the idea of natural selection, uh, the traits of natural selection pervading into our personality is not an idea that that David Buss came up with is an idea that Charles Darwin came up with. So, so when, when you come to that realization and you take all these different models, right? So immersion therapy and PTSD and all these different things, like the ideas about sociopathy and cluster personality disorders, you take all these different pieces and you put them into a model, which model makes the most sense. And the thing about it is like, for instance, uh, Albert Einstein had, a, had trouble with some of the discoveries from quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. but the problem is that they all were testable and they all turned out to be true. The problem with behaviorists is that they want to believe that I can give Sam, I can give you a Barbie doll when you grow up and you're going to have feminine features when you grow up. And the reality of the situation is that's just not true. Mm -hmm. You are a masculine man because of the testosterone and your Y chromosome because of genetics that made you act the way that you do. And by the way, if you're homosexual, that's also the same thing. Like I personally think that homosexuality does have some genetic or some in utero trait that causes you to become a homosexual. I don't think you choose to be a homosexual, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that, that's the way it's same thing for women. So your sexual preferences, I don't think it's something that you choose. I knew I was a heterosexual boy as, as soon as I remember seeing women. Oh, so, yeah. uh, right. Right. And I, most guys, you'll, you'll, they'll tell you the same thing, but I can only speak from my experience. Um, <laughs> but going back to that, which model fits the world the best. So I look at the world empirically. I look at the behaviors of men and women. Then mm -hmm. I look at the behaviorist model and I look at the evolutionary psychology model and it's not even close. Yeah. The behaviorist model barely gets anything right. The evolutionary psychology is 100 for 100. I have never seen anything evolutionary psychology does not accurately describe when I look at the behaviors of human beings. Nothing. Absolutely. There's nothing. The whole thing, I was like, oh, women, they're a mystery. They're not a mystery to me because I read evolutionary psychology books. If you look at women from the standpoint of this is of her cave woman ancestors and what they needed in order to survive, everything makes sense. And when you understand things like the way hormones affect behavior, then all those these things make sense. You ever hear a woman when she says, oh, man, I, you know, I like older guys because they they're too tired they don't argue with you as much and they're like ready to settle down sam they're not ready to settle down what's actually happening what's actually happening sam what's what? what's actually what what's actually happening sam what's actually <laughs> happening what are they losing sam they're losing why are they ready to settle down there's they're starting the their body clock for sure their body, no the man the male body clock loses what once you cross the page age of 35 you get you have less what oh, testosterone of course there you go that's what it, that's what it is this yeah. is a function of evolution. Think from an evolutionary standpoint, it doesn't make sense for the species to have men with high testosterone into their 40s and 50s because the kids, the, the, the kids who are coming up are in their 20s and 30s. They have no women to have sex with yeah. because they're still having sex with these older men. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. It makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint for people like, for instance, death is an evolutionary is evolutionarily selected for. Do you understand if there is no death? What happens? Like we have there's not eight billion humans on the planet. There's yeah. 800 billion humans on the planet. Yes. There's no resources. We all end up like killing each other. So, so death is evolutionarily selected for a low testosterone later on in life is evolutionarily selected for you slowing down as a human being to make way for the younger generation to come in and take your place is something that's evolutionary selected for. So I go to a TRT doctor and I'm like, fuck that, Mr. 20 year old, you're not taking my place. I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing at yeah. the age of 44 that I did when I would, that I did when I was 24, except I'm a lot stronger and smarter and have more money now. So that's, that's the difference. I, I understand what evolution has set out for me. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to counteract that by doing things that, that I don't want to do evolutionarily. What do I want to eat? I want to eat sugar, salt, and fat. Where's it? Where, where can I find a lot of sugar, salt, and fat McDonald's. I'll, eat McDonald's. I'll get, I'll go get fat as fuck. 
Evolution wants me to gorge myself because my ancestors would go gorge themselves. Well, no, I, because I know that now, because yeah. I have an understanding of an evolutionarily mo an evolutionary model of society. I know I can now transcend that. I can counteract that. I know that when I'm talking to a girl and we're not boyfriend and girlfriend and I hear about her going to a party with some other dude, I get this pang of jealousy. Mm -hmm. I know that's an evolutionarily pang of mate guarding, but I also know it makes me look low status. So I transcend that because I'm aware of it because of evolutionary psychology. Does that make sense? hundred mm, percent. That real time, you're able to react real time with that Correct. in mind because you're because you're you're a robot i know this is like a very unromantic way of thinking of it but you're a biological robot with an algorithm that was programmed in you for three hundred thousand years of homo sapien evolution and when you're thinking that then when thoughts come into your head you're like wait is this me or the robot and the, the problem is when you take this when you extrapolate this conclusion to its ultimate end there is no free will and i don't believe there is free will i think almost yes, everything I, uh... we do yeah, so like, I've heard, like you, Sam, I've heard you, you talk you, about that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Sam, Sam, you 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 do not have facial hair and a haircut specifically tailored to not let you have sex with women, right? You think you have free choice. You think you have free will as far as your haircut. <laughs> I did notice. I did notice, Sam. Your your teeth are straight. Hmm, yeah, interesting. You interesting. chose to have straight teeth, and you chose to have a haircut that is in fashion and may be appealing to the opposite sex, but yet you think you have free will. You have no fucking free will at all. You have chosen this because the same reason why I choose to wear black shirts, I look good in them. It's fucking mm -hmm. sexual selection, that's it. And women, it's the exact same way. And when you tell people this, they're like, no, that doesn't feel that doesn't feel noble. That does yeah. not, it's not a noble enough answer for me. Let's go to behavioral psychology. We're all a blank slate. We're all what, no, that's not the case. You take, it's, it's very, like, listen, there's no way to argue this. You take uh, monozygotic twins, identical twins, mm -hmm. put them in different households. When one of them becomes a sociopath, guess what the other one becomes? A sociopath. When one of them ends up with like high testosterone, guess what the other one ends up with? High testosterone. Like it's genetics. It's not, when people think nature nurture is 50-50, we used to think it was all nurture. Mm -hmm. Then we started thinking it was nature nurture. Now we're starting to understand it's about 85 to 90% genetics and nature and 10% nurture. Because even with parenting, there's, there's, there's studies that clearly show um, with parenting, you take two children, same parenting, they come out with different outcomes that has more to do with their peer group and the genetic predisposition to have a higher IQ or a lower IQ or a, or, you know, a hot, hotter temperament or a colder temperament or agreeableness or whatever, their genetic makeup may, means way more than how, than how often mom and dad took them to church. Does that make sense? Up to a certain point. If mom and dad are abusing them or not feeding them, then parenting actually makes a bigger difference. But to a certain point, once you get up to a certain point where three meals a day, some level of like acknowledgement and love and validation Shelter. from that point forward, from that point forward, parenting actually doesn't mean that much. Parents don't like to hear that. Parents do not like to hear that they're not the reason that their, their child is smart. And every nobody wants to believe that their child is dumb. Every parent I talk to think their child is a genius. He's so smart. He went to preschool and he picked up this block by himself. He's a fucking genius. No, your kid's probably average. Yeah. That's what average means. That's what average means. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different, Sam, dude, it gets really dark when you start getting to the uh, the heritability of intelligence. Oh, boy. Heritability of intelligence is really cool subject when you have two smart parents. But when you have two dumb parents, it's not a fun thing to talk about, bro. It's mm. not. Nobody wants to believe they have a low IQ. But you want to know who has low, a low IQ? Half the people do. That's what IQ means. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of, co of course. Yeah, IQ is that measured. makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Well, do you think it's about enhancing the genetics that you have? And then kind of playing on that and, and making yourself as, as much as you can. Like, you know, if you've been dealt a hand, try to improve yeah. that hand. 
as much yes. as possible. I believe doing the most with the genetics you have makes sense. The whole idea of epigenetics, we're not far enough along yet. I know this, this belief, oh, I'm going to eat this carrot and it's going to change my DNA. No, I don't believe that. Your, your DNA is changing every time you go out in the sun. That's what radio, that's what ultraviolet radiation does. It breaks apart molecules. That's what it does. That's what, that's why there's an ozone layer up there to protect us. Um, so your genetics changes all the time when you smoke cigarettes or eat food or whatever, it changes. This whole idea that mRNA vaccines are going to change your DNA, that's eh, because you never read a biology textbook. That, that's not what it does. mRNA, mRNA vaccines change your RNA. They do not change your DNA, but people don't know the difference. So they come out and say these ignorant things about it, right? So is this this type of situation? Are you going to change your DNA within the, your, your, your what call? So you have your DNA and then the yep. manifestation of your DNA is called a phenotype. If you want to learn more about this, read the Red Queen by Matt Ridley. Um, so you, this is a phenotype. So this is the expression of the phenotype. Mm -hmm. This phenotype that I have is probably going to live 80 to 100 years, right? The Michael Sartain phenotype. While it does, is there going to be a significant change in my genetics to make my eyes turn blue or to make me turn six, you know, seven feet tall? No, no, no there's not. not. No, there's not. Now, could I do things that don't change my genetics, like take HGH or DECA steroids or something like that to change my musculature? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I could do that. Could I change the, 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 the power and smoothness of my skin based on my diets and uh, hygiene habits? Absolutely, I could do those things. Mm -hmm. Could excessive, um, sweat, I have a, a seriatic arthritis, could excessive swelling and inflammation in my joints cause permanent damage? Yes, that could happen. Is that gonna change my genetics? Most likely not. Most mm -hmm. likely the genetics within the one generation isn't gonna change. However, um, what, what do you do with what you have, right? So that's why we go in the Men of Action program. We're like, what, what's, the, what's the one thing we can all control? The, the intensity of our voice is something we can all yes. control and our ability to, to communicate with other people, like the ability to be funny or our ability to be charismatic or our ability to break rapport with other people, which then builds, uh, which allows them to then qualify to us, to invest in us so that we can build a relationship with other people. That is not a function of intelligence. You can do that and not be intelligent. You can do that and not be rich and you can do that and not be smart. You can do those things. Then what, so, and then the other thing is social media. I know a lot of dumb people who are very popular on social media. Yeah. Right? So that's another thing we can learn how to do. We can learn how to use social media. Then we can learn how to use our, we can go to the gym and try to get as physically fit as we can with the body we have. We're trying to go for a V-shaped torso. We're not trying to do, it's not leg day every day. I know I have a buddy of mine. He's a, he's a Hispanic guy. And this guy is like, I do leg day every day because it makes me feel comfortable. I'm like, let's do some bench press. It's like, no, I don't, I feel uncomfortable when I'm under the bench. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's called, that's how muscles are built, bro. Like I was very confused. He's a Hispanic guy. Like I'm Hispanic. I have big yeah. hips and big legs. So like, I don't need to spend extra time working on my huge calves because yes. I'm just genetically built like this. So like, I want to work more on my, my upper body. Whereas my, my family, if you look at all the men in my family, they have tiny string arms and pear shaped torsos. I'm like, I don't want to look like that. So I'm going to do things to, in order to counter the genetics and do the best with the physique that I have. And that, that's what I've been doing, right? The hairstyle, is it relevant? Is it a relevant hairstyle or is it irrelevant hairstyle? Like these are the things that you can choose to do. And then we go, you know, further on uh, entrepreneurship, right? There's no, you can be, you can be short or tall. You can be really dumb and actually run a really effective company or become some kind of talent public speaker or something like that. Mm. There's all sorts of things you could, the ways you can make money, even if you're tall or short, good looking or not good looking, rich or poor or smart or dumb, you can still make money through an entrepreneur. There's these traps that you just don't fall through, and uh, fall into an entrepreneurship. And we teach that in the second uh, pillar of men of action. And then leadership. This is the one, like, this is easy, dude. It's not easy, but everyone can do it. Learn yeah. how to be a leader. Learn how to not speak to people in a passive aggressive way. Right? Bro, I love you. And so because I love you, I'm telling you, you're fucking up right now. Yes. You're fucking up right now. Like, this isn't the woman you're supposed to marry. In my opinion, in my opinion, 
This is not, you're having direct conversation, honest conversation and honest criticism with somebody that you care about. That's called not being passive aggressive. That's something we learn in the leadership part. Also, if you have a business and something goes wrong, it's only your fault. It doesn't mm. matter if it's not really your fault. It's still your fault. Extreme ownership. Extreme ownership those yeah. are the people you want to, those are the people you want to work for. Those are the people who are there to make the decisions. A lot of people like the authority that comes with leadership and they really, really don't like the fucking, um, responsibility that comes with leadership but you you have to take both and the responsibility is when you actually have to take more seriously the authority i like to delegate the authority but i have to take the responsibility right and then the, the last one is mindset you have to choose a mindset of gratitude i don't care if you're five feet tall mm. and you you know got one eyes green and the other eyes black like you there's if you can choose a mindset of acceptance to like kind of understand hey you know i get these i get these few days on this planet and I'm going to do the most that I can with them. And I'm going to have gratitude for every single thing that I have in my life. You're going to find, you're going to bring yourself into the present moment. You're going to be more attractive to talk to. I'm not just talking about dating women. You're mm -hmm. more, be a more attractive human being to speak to being in the present moment. Uh, and the, these are just lessons that you can learn to, to improve whatever stand. If you're in a wheelchair, if you have PTSD, whatever it is, whatever your standing is in the world, the things I teach in MOA, men of action, those things, uh, um, those things work for everyone. And by the way, M MOA is a misnomer. We named it before there were women in the program. There are women in the program. There are women who teach the program. So, but we just still call it Men of Action because the girls like that name. So we, we, we've kept that name, name so far. No, it's good. It's a fantastic name. And the program is fantastic. I think yeah. I, love, I love hearing you talk about it because it's just a different... Number one, it's like you're, you're extremely fast with your talking. Your cadence is, is your break and rapport, as you said, all these kind of things. And so it's so fascinating to hear... Especially because, um, you know, you're, 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 you're not only just teaching it, you're living your life like that. You know what I mean? Has it yeah. always been like that? Ha is Michael Sartain 20 completely different than Michael Sartain now? No. So, so, so the, the living it was always first. And like, remember, there wasn't any teaching it until a couple of years ago. So okay. for me, mm. so for me, I mean, there was, I, I would give some, you know, self-help speeches all the way back to 2008, but we're talking less than four a year. Yeah. Now it's, it's four times a week. So, mm. um, so here's the thing, a great example of what you're talking about the yeah. week. I come up with the come out with Men of Action, which was October 7th, Men of Action MOA Advance. Yep. That same week, mm. I release a podcast. So the first pillar is high status networking. Yes. The first thing that comes out is my podcast with Dan Bilzerian. And then my birthday party with 14 playmates and the owner of Tau Hakusan Group. And That's remember, not the pillar, is, the pillar is called high status networking. Okay. Yeah. That's the first thing. And they gave me a $15,000 dance floor table that night. Uh, for free because I brought because so many girls that showed up and you know that that was the whole situation there. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you, you even want me to show that, but I can't. But the uh, but that that was the, the the first situation, right? So that's the first thing. Now next, what what am I doing next? I'm sitting there and we had a module in Men of Action where we talked about uh, having female friends, right? Yes. I don't know you, I, you. I don't think you're an MO advanced, but like again, here we go. This is my birthday party. Just for those of you who think I was exaggerating. And you have to take a second to look at it. And you're like, wait a second. Oh, there's Michael. You don't even see me in the photo. But the girls all wore some derivative of orange for my Texas Longhorns. And this was this was for my birthday. I was like, I didn't invite any guys. The guys obviously showed up later. But this was this was just my birthday party. Right. But the day that that morning, my, well, my podcast with Dan Bilzerian comes out. Right. Again, I'm teaching a course on high status networking. The same day I have my birthday party where a bunch of girls show up, wear outfits for me that I didn't ask to even ask them to wear, and Bulzarian comes to my birthday party, okay? Do you understand? So I taught a thing and am doing a thing. Also, the, like one of the biggest of TikTokers course, in the Bash. world. Yeah, of course. Bash, you know, he was out, he was out with me um, for, um, 
for a, a charity event that I did a couple of weeks ago, right? And I just posted that picture. Okay, so again, shh, talking about the thing and then doing the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing was, what did we do? I, I have a module where I was like, hey, let's talk about how, how female friends will help you. And the thing is, I have a couple of guests that are coming on um, in the next couple of weeks and they very much all believe that you can't, that you can't have female friends. They all very much think that female friends are like a waste of time, right? And so I, I, it's not, it, to me, this is not something to debate about. I know that's incorrect. I know that you can have female friends. Well, you, so, you, were, you were the one that, that introduced me to that concept back yes. in 2015. You were the yes. one that, so, that we, I remember we having like a debate about it and you, you changed my whole mindset on it, for sure. Yes. Because the funny because, thing because, was, you see other people and they were like, you can't have female friends. And then I'm looking at you saying you can have female friends and you're around the Playboy Playmates. You're around the Maxim models. You're around those people. So I'm looking at both mindsets. I'm like, well, I know which one I'd rather, you know, yes. I'd be around the guy that's, that's got the things that I want, of course, which is to have the female friends. So exactly, exactly. So, so now let's go to this, right? So here's, so what happens is during that episode, and I wish I could pull it up for you right now, mm -hmm. I call one of my closest female friends, which is CJ Sparks. Yes. Now here's the thing. I'm not trying to sleep with CJ Sparks. This is where we agree. The guys who are like, don't have female friends. We ag I agree with them on one thing. Hmm. Don't have female friends that you're secretly trying to sleep with. Yes, that he I agree. I, I like agree that. with that. Yeah. Don't let don't shoot your shot with a girl and then just be like, okay, let's just like she's like, let's just be friends and then you accept her frame. That is not what I'm telling you to do. Completely. What I'm telling you to do is put forth the frame of let's be friends and work together as teammates. Mm. Okay. Now, uh, I've, I've said this several times in, in Men of Action, whether or not I'm friends with a girl and whether or not I'm sleeping with her have nothing to do with each other. So if you guys look at some of those those photos with me and a ton of girls, I might be sleeping with several of them. I might be sleeping with none of them. You're never going to know. And if you were at the event, you're not going to know who I'm sleeping with because that's always a secret. Rule yes. number six, nobody knows, needs to know who you're sleeping with. That's rule number six of MOA. But like, here's the thing. So now Chloe, CJ goes upstairs while I call her for my female friend module, contacts Chloe and says, hey, Chloe, will you come on uh, my podcast? And Chloe says yes, and not even 96 hours later, Chloe Ture is on my podcast, right? Mm -hmm. This Chloe Ture, she, she, who, by the way, she's also a friend of mine, but like we're talking about female friends. I'm trying to run a podcast. And because of my female friends, I have this girl with 3 million followers mm. who, who's on my, who's on my freaking podcast. Okay. Because of my female friends, I get invited to the Playboy Mansion. Because of my female friends, I get invited to the Maxim party. Because of my female friends, I get invited to all the Ignite parties. Because of my female friends, I get to Ignite it up. I get invited to host the Maxim party. Because mm -hmm. of my female friends, I host all of the bikini competitions in Las Vegas because of my female friends. So the people who are like, well, your female friends can't help you, that's because you have put forth the wrong ethos. That's because you have put forth the ethos of you will have sexual intercourse with me or you are worthless to me. Yes. When you put forth that ethos, of course, yes, of course, these women are not going to be helpful for you. Because why would they even want to fucking hang out with you? How would you feel if you had a sister and some guy came up to your sister and like, suck my dick or we'll never talk again? Well, you'd probably break that guy's jaw. But yes. for some reason, you think it's cool when you do it. No, it's not. It's not frame control. You're just being a loser. This, you, you just don't know how to communicate with the opposite sex. And there's like one of the things that really drove these guys crazy is that can't be friends with females was such a hardcore ethos in the pickup community. Mm. And when it was put into practice in through the not the theoretical physicist, but the experimental physicist named Michael Sartain, when he puts it into practice, turns out, wait, that theory is actually now disproven. 
You yes. can be friends with females. If you choose to put them in the friend zone, yes. If you are not the one putting them in the friend zone, if they're putting you in the friend zone, no. Then they then then I I agree with those guys from you know whatever red pill pickup, whatever. They're correct about that. But like here's another thing I want to point out, right? So these are these are these are the coaches in MOA. These are the four girls who uh, these are the four main coaches. There's other girls that, that coach in MOA, but like these are the four. Uh, by the way, some of the ladies are joining us from MOA. Jesse Preston is a playmate, and she posted this. Mm. Sam, I didn't ask them to post this. They threw it out there. Sam, I didn't ask. I didn't. I did not go. Hey guys, will you guys make a, a thing of the four of you in bikinis and and then post it? They they made this for me because it was my birthday. They made the the girls and men of action made this for me. Because, and I do think, and I, when their birthdays come, I throw their birthday parties because yes. they are my, wait for it, wait for it, teammates. They're my fucking teammates. And this is really hard for people to understand because you are so invested in this idea that I am a man, they are a woman, they're the enemy. I have to defeat them in order to get the vagina. I have to win this fucking chess battle with them in order for me to win. They have to lose. And I don't look at it that way. The best, you want to know the best thing in the world for men is to be the most attractive they can be. You want to know what the best thing in the world for women to be is, Sam? Is for men to be the most attractive they can be. For men to be the most attractive versions of themselves is the best thing for men and the best thing for women. The best thing in the world for men is to not be creepy. The best thing in the world for women is for men to not be creepy. This is like, this is mind blowing. And a lot of people just don't understand this or they just don't want to understand this. Well, yeah, they, they definitely, they, they're twisted. They have a twisted kind of, as you said, ethos, you know. It's, it's twisted out of pain. It's twisted out of, out of being hurt. It's twisted out of, oh, this girl that I had a huge crush on, she, uh, she broke up with me for, the, foot, for the, uh, the, the captain of the football team. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Hey, can absolutely. I play something for you? I just, I, just found, I just found this yesterday, and I was I think, thinking maybe you'd like it. I just found this video yesterday because, uh, um, you know, we, we had, I was digging through some, some old footage. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I told uh, two of my sales associates, I was like, this is the best video I've ever seen that shows female friends. It shows investment. Yep. It shows building a social circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, show, it shows all of the things that I've been like, when I was talking about throwing events, like, I feel like this is, this is how it's supposed to look in the end. Um, just like what you see right here. And so tell me, uh, I want to make sure you can hear this. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this for you. You tell me, you tell me if you can hear it. All right. Ready? Guys, we're going to do a fucking incredible job today. This is going to be amazing. Where's Grant? Grant. Guys, we have an incredible life. Hey, listen, no matter what happens today, you need to keep these memories with you for the rest of your life. They're friends. These are friends that you're going to have for the rest of your life. You're welcome. You're always welcome whenever we do stuff, okay? And guys, whenever we're doing a charity event, whatever, Joel helps us with a lot of different charities. You're invited to all of those things, okay? If you're ever in Vegas, in Miami, you're in Vegas, wherever, you're part, you're part of our family, okay? So we want to have this little cheers. We want you guys to keep these memories forever. There'll be one winner, but you're all winners. Okay, because you made it out here to Paradise Challenge. This is this is really fucking awesome. So here we go. Ready? One. Arriba. Abajo. El centro. Para adentro. Again, like you will tell me you can't have female friends, and you will sit and write on your message boards about how I'm wrong, and in your Telegram groups and on your Reddit boards about how I'm a fucking Chad and how the things that I'm saying are wrong, and then empirically I will continually prove you wrong. Yes. over and over again until it becomes irrefutable that I'm right. So they're the coming, coming up with, they're trying to come up with like evidence to disprove you. And Correct. it's easy for you to make evidence to prove your point. 
It's exactly, like exactly not even a hassle. Exactly. Now, you know, like, what I mean? like, do you understand the girls there? Like I literally signed a bunch of the girls up to go to that event. I got to go to that event for free because mm. so many of the girls signed up through me because they were my female friends. And then because I have so many female friends that are recruited, I hosted a bikini competition with 45 girls in Puerto Vallarta. They were all in bikinis. Now, the next thing guys are going to say is like, yeah, but did you fuck all those girls? First of all, bitch, that's none of your business. Like, seriously, like grow up. Rule number six. Yeah, rule number six. If you now, if you seriously think I didn't sleep with any of them. okay. have a nice day. But like the, the the reality of the situation is whether or not I did is not part of what makes me attractive. Mm. Or, or you knowing about it. So one another, again, another problem that, that, you know, people say, oh, toxic masculinity isn't real. Yeah, it is. It is. When you go off and brag about women that you have sex with to other men, you're actually damaging that woman's reputation. Whereas if she were to brag about having sex with you, that doesn't damage her. That doesn't damage your reputation because you're a man. There is a double standard in society. Mm-hmm. And so you are being toxically masculine when you go about, yeah, fuck that bitch. Yeah, yeah. When you go and brag like that, because what you're doing, there's two things you're doing. Number one, she should not, she's never going to trust you again. Her friends are never going to trust you again. And you're bragging to people who don't matter about sex that's none of anyone else's business. Why? Because you're low status. Mm-hmm. You brag about women you have sex with because inherently you know you're not enough and you're low status. That's why you do that. And trying to get so a valid- when, the other person too. Correct. You're trying, exactly. You're trying to get validation out of the other people. Remember, I showed you a video of me getting these women to buy in and invest in the things that I was saying. I called them my family. I did. I said that these guys are my teammates. And you want to know something? For my birthday, you saw how many of them showed up. The, mm-hmm. the year before that, like that was uh, that was a Tuesday night. It, 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 again, in the end, it ended up being about 50 girls that, that showed up. But like last year for my birthday during COVID, remember, this is COVID. We're not even supposed to be out. There were 54 girls that showed up at my birthday party. I'm sorry, guys. Like the problem is you're going to keep saying words that go look good on paper or on Telegram. And I'm going to keep showing photos that prove you to be incorrect. There is this is the hill I will die on. There is no refuting this. Having a ton of female friends makes your life easier. Having a bunch of girls put you in the friend zone makes your life fucking terrible. Those are two different things. But unfortunately, because there's so much binary thinking in the pickup community and in the dating community, mm. they don't understand me being friends with women and a woman friend zoning me. They see those things that being the same thing. They're not the same thing. Me choosing to friend zone a woman who's attractive actually makes me look high status. Her mm. choosing to friend zone me because she's not attracted to me makes me look low status they don't understand the two things and if there's a girl i really like and i'm gonna go meet her at a club i could go meet her at the club and go direct blow me or blow me out or i could meet her at the club and show up with five other playmates and be like oh by the way here's sarah here's so-and-so here's so-and-so good to see you homie oh what's going on over here oh no no no, no. yeah it's cool it's good to see you too oh you want my number okay yeah no let me give it to you real quick like dude if you can't see the difference it's like you don't want to have female friends but you want pre-selection to work how bro what do you think is going to happen here you like it's it's just one of the craziest things club promoters are not the ones saying you can't have female friends they know you have to have female friends you have to have females to recruit other females to come do your shit you can't can't do all the work you know it's literally impossible exactly but there's there's another feature about there's another feature about me because i do interviews you know i've done something like thousands of interviews i find humans to be interesting where other people don't i'm not a misanthrope i don't hate humans right and whereas a lot of guys will be like, I think this girl has an incredible body, but fuck her. She's not interesting. She's not educated. What's she going to do when she's 35? I don't look at women like that. I look at women and I'm like, she came from something. She came from someone and she got over something to get where she is right now. That's a story. I want to hear the story. 
I love stories when girls tell me about their crazy ex-boyfriends doing crazy shit in order to get with them. I love the stories about girls who like celebrities who are married sliding in their DMs and them actually screenshotting and showing it to me. I love these stories from women. I love listening to women. I, I do. Now, do I take advice from women uh, about everything? No, I take advice from self-aware women. These are women who are like, yes, Michael, I keep fucking the fuck boy. Yes, Michael, I keep dating the male stripper because I'm mm. attracted to him. What I don't like is the girl who's like, keeps dating the male stripper, but keeps saying she wants a nice guy who's going to treat her well. That girl I don't listen to. The one who just like can't, that one's completely out of touch with, with her beliefs. So that woman is not what I would call self-aware. But also there's a lot of men who aren't self-aware too. Oh, you've, of course. You've seen them several times. They think they're good at game. I know some guys that pay prostitutes and think they're good at game because they talk to prostitute out of uh, having sex with them. It was originally two grand and talked them down to 1500. I know a guy who literally thinks he's good at game because he talked to prostitute into fucking him for a lower number. He thinks he's good at game. Oh, One guy told me he's good at game because he fucked a prostitute and then he he got to fuck her a second time. He's like, look what I did. Two for one. Yeah, bro. He thinks, he's, he thinks he's good at game because he did that. I know another guy who's like, he's all the time like Lambos, paying girls to hang out with him, all this kind of stuff. And he thinks he's good with women. I see that all the time. So this idea that women have the monopoly on being you know out of touch with their own levels of attraction. Men have the same problem. Mm. Men are also out of touch. That's self-delusion they're in. Yes, oh. correct. It's crazy. Well, getting onto it, you you as a connector, you're you're someone that can connect with these high status people. You're also someone that has, you know, for, for you know, for for my instance, you connected me with my ex girlfriend. So you you are the uh, I like to call the maverick, the person that is the connector, the person that is. Is there a system? Is there something that you do? Because um, I know you talked about that you in just uh, dealing with people, you create a three D uh, image or three D kind of shape of them. I know that I was think one. At one point. I think at one point, all the RSD instructors except for three had met a girl they were dating through me. From I you, I think that's true. I think that's true. It was, it was a lot of you guys that had met. There was a, there was a lot, like, yeah. Parties, yeah. Um, most of my guy friends meet their girlfriends. Well, we met yeah, through a love sure. convention. You remember when you were hosting the love convention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's sure. where we, that's where we met. <laughs> uh, uh, so going back to wait, what was the question? Here? So you talked, you know, at, you was a connector. You you talked about it in another podcast that you created three D. Uh, shape of the person not yes you know their their social media yeah them as a person is that just one aspect in which you do like how do you become yeah. this creator you know so, so those are, to become similar the, to you that, that's one of the pieces so like being be, so when i say make somebody 3d sam like your name there's an s at the beginning of sam and an m at the beginning of matheson your name has a shape that mm -hmm. shape is in my mind becomes three-dimensional along with the fact that you live in australia you know other there's other uh you know biological parameters about you that I remember that mm -hmm. makes you a three-dimensional object in my mind rather than a two-dimensional word Sam Matheson mm -hmm. or a set of words Sam Matheson. So a two-dimensional string is easy to forget a three-dimensional object like the way a a, a, a an orange uh, feels in your hand is more memorable than spelling the word orange. So that that's essentially what I do as a trick. I know there's a lot of politicians that do things like this. They try to associate this like word association with something else. So I do this whenever I try to connect to individuals. This mm. is one of the things that I do. But other than that, it's like, I just know, I, I, I get quickly to understand people's motivation, not necessarily, not always their primary motivation, but one of their motivations. And I will tell you, men's motivation is a little bit narrower than women's. Men's mm. motivation is generally just women and money, like, or some derivative of that. So like respect and, you know, validation, but it's, but it generally has to do with the status that comes with women or money. Or yeah, survive and thrive. Yeah, survive and thrive, whatever. Uh, so a, a man's motivation is 
it generally easy. Like, again, you, you occasionally have guys like Elon Musk who are like, mm. I actually want to take the, the human species to Mars. That doesn't fit in women or money. But, you know, he does have a lot of money because of it. And he has a lot of women after it. So, <laughs> so it, I, I think in the end, he work. sort of like hypnotized himself into believing that. But really, this is all about sexual selection for him as well. Mm. With women, it's, it's still about status and sexual selection. It's just there's so many more ways that they go about it. Uh, so I think it's, there's like a few more things, but once you find their motivation, man, I'm telling you, like you, you talk to people about their motivation and then now you know who to connect them with. Mm-hmm. And one thing is, uh, one thing I found is that when you have two people, let's just say, I'm just going to throw numbers out there. I, I am a status of a seven and I have a guy over here. His status is a 10. Yep. And then this guy over here, his status or her, this girl over here, her status is a nine. Mm-hmm. If I increase, if I introduce status nine to status 10, and then they make a connection, they're going to attribute nine and a half status to me. Euclidean geometry. Mm-hmm. If A equals B and B equals C, then C equals A. If yes. I'm introducing the nine to the 10, then they will both confirm 9.5 status to me. And this is something I didn't understand before. And that's why we call it value arbitrage, because you're offering value to two people. And then they, they in turn, give the value back to you. A lot of times when there's people I have a hard time talking to, some people are just not as loquacious as me. They're, they're, they're not then just introducing them to people that will help them out in the, in the world. That's mm-hmm. generally what I have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, when you're an extrovert, it's easy. You, you, you try to find ways to communicate with extroverts, which is easy because they're extroverts. Yes, Being an extrovert, learning how to communicate with introverts is also a talent. And for me, a lot of times, like there's one girl I know who's super introverted. Until we start talking about Game of Thrones, then she's super extroverted. I know one girl, she's super introverted. Until we start talking about psychology, because she's getting a, a graduate degree in psychology, now she becomes extroverted. Okay, oh, so, so it's, it's, finding, a, it's finding those drivers, as you said. Those finding exactly finding those drivers, and like uh, you know, it's not always the main driver. It could be secondary drivers or whatever. But like you know, the main driver might be this guy wants validation from his father. Well, I'm not going to talk to him about validation from his father all the time, mm-hmm. but I may talk to him about, hey, do you want to go to this party? It's going to be fucking wild. It's going to be fun. We're going to watch the cow. Or we're going to be like again when you buy when you watch the Super Bowl, you do it for entertainment. When you go to the Super Bowl, you do it to show off status. Yeah. Every you want to know what everyone in the world who goes to the Super Bowl has in common? They're going to let you fucking know about it because they want to show that they're better than you and they got tickets to the Super Bowl. So it, it all ends up coming back to status. No matter who you are, no one's above it. I mean, the fact that, you know, Elon Musk is married to a famous singer or that uh, Warren Buffett ended up sleeping with his, his fucking uh, housekeeper, right? He ended up sleeping with his like his living maid or whatever, uh, or that, or that Steve Jobs banged all these supermodels or that, um, you know, what's his face? Uh, Bill Gates is on a fucking airplane going to a tropical Island with whoever the fuck. You know, cheating on his wife, or maybe cheating on his wife. I don't know. But like this idea that these men who are billionaires are above the sexual selection shit is ridiculous. That we're all doing the same thing. Like Monica Lewinsky did what he did with, with, uh, like, again, Bill Clinton could have anyone he wanted. And there's this woman there that like worshiped him. And he's like, okay, let's get out the cigars. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, of course. Right, I'm, I'm really excited. Let's get these cigars and have us a good old time right now. That's right. I'm from Arkansas and we're about to get Monica on her. Never mind. I don't know. Poor girl, poor girl. <laughs> horrible with horrible what he did to her. But uh the, the thing is, um, and it's going back to that, like if you start to understand, okay, let's go back to evolutionary psychology. Mm. When you stop thinking people are altruistic or or they're guided by fate or destiny or karma, or they're guided by the, the, the fact that they're a Sagittarius or a Virgo, when you get past all that and understand that they are evolutionary creatures with an algorithm implanted in their mind that was put in there at birth by 300,000 years of Homo sapien evolution and three million years of hominid evolution. When you come to that realization, now what they do makes sense. What they do is not based on what God told them. What they do is based on what their 
is what was selected for by their evolutionary ancestors. And then, okay, now, now I understand. Uh, of course, sexual selection makes sense. Of course, we're doing this all for sexual selection. Of course, I have good lighting on me right now. And I have a, a, a tailored beard because I saw a male model with a beard like this. I probably, I probably don't even know which model it was. I just saw it one time. I was like, oh, that looks good. Or I saw a girl who's really attractive with a guy who had a beard like this. And then all of a sudden, I'm wearing, like, again, these things are like memes that like transmit. These things are attractive. These things are unattractive. And then they try to change. And then people try to change evolutionary psychology. Again, there's no, everyone's beautiful. Um, everyone has us, everyone has value in, in the world, but the whole thing that Victoria's secret is doing by putting like, you know, overweight, uh, people on there and putting them in lingerie, they're trying to, they're doing what I was talking about before, Sam, they're mm -hmm. trying to use behaviors. These people legitimately believe that you find Giselle Munchen attractive because, because you were exposed to seeing her in lingerie on a Victoria's secret runway, instead of re the recognition that you were born as a heterosexual man, and no matter what happened, you were going to find Giselle Munchen attractive. That's yeah. where they were. That's where they screwed up. And so they think we're going to reprogram these heterosexual men by putting overweight women in these lingerie, and then and then they'll start to become attracted to these overweight women. And of course, that doesn't work because these people wrongly believe in behavioral psychology, mm -hmm. and the rest of us as men, we know what our bodies and our minds tell us to be attracted to, and so we understand, even though we don't know who David Buss, Margot Wilson, Satoshi Kanazawa, and Steven Pinker are, we understand evolutionary psychology is actually the truth. 100%. Or, or a, a model that describes reality. I should say the truth. A, evolutionary psychology is a model that more accurately describes reality than any other psychological model. Yeah, I definitely urge everyone to read that. That, that changed a lot of my views, especially, you know, evolutionary. Uh, and everything by derived. David Buss. Every, every, quick, quick and dirty. Everything by David Buss. David B-U-S-S. -S. Everything by David Buss. Just read every book by David Buss. There you go. You're a big, a big advocator on social media. Your, your, yeah. your, your thing. Is this just tra transmitting everything or your value as a person, putting it on there so you have a greater reach? Or is there a more, is there an, is another element that people are missing to social media yeah, other than I, the status game? I have a buddy of mine right now. He went on a retreat for 12 days. And then while he was on the retreat, he was uh, he, no social media, no phone. And he yep. turned off his, his Instagram. And I'm like, he's a sales guy. Like we have to use his Instagram. And I explained mm -hmm. to him, I was like, the reason why Instagram is making you stressful is because of rule number five in the MLA program. We are social media producers. We are not social media consumers. Mm -hmm. If you want to feel good about your social media, produce on social media. If you want to feel FOMO and depressed, sit there and flip through and consume social media. So if I ever feel depressed about what I see on social media, I go produce better, funnier social media or spread memes or something to that effect. That's essentially what the main thing is that. So from a psychological standpoint, it is healthier to be a producer than a consumer. Now, uh, going back to what you said before, it's scalability. Like the likely, the, the, the reality of the situation is no matter what I do in real life, okay, I'm just going to use an example because I know a lot of these guys are going to watch this video, but those hardcore PUA cold approach dudes, when they go up and talk to women, whatever, I don't care the best in the entire world at it. I don't care how good you think you are. Yep. You doing 20%, you doing a capacity of 20% on social media mm. is more effective than 100% IRL because of the reach, the potential reach of social media. 
because of the number of people you can grow. I'll give you an example, like uh, Justin, or uh, you're probably not old enough to remember New Kids on the Block. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 okay, come on, come on. on. Okay, New Kids give me a bit of credit there. <laughs> All right, okay, New Kids on the Block. There was a lot of uh, hazing and, and guys were making fun of them when they came out. What were some of the things guys were saying about them? Do you remember? Oh, that, that was the wannabe, wannabe Backstreet Boys, wasn't it? Wanna see, wanna or, or, that they were, or they were gay or stuff like that. Yes. Okay? Now, you, you're, one, you're one of the guys, New Kids on the Block. Are you getting a little bit of attention from women or a lot of attention from women? A max amount. It, it, could you possibly have sex with all the women you're having getting attention from? Or are there more women coming after you than you could yeah. pro probably ever have sex with? There's not time in the day. There's not enough time in the day to have sex with all the women coming. Okay, yeah. now, are you selling a few records or are you selling a lot of records? Because of the attention, a lot. A lot. In fact, at, at, at the peak, you're probably making more money than you could probably spend. Is that correct? 100%. Definitely. Okay. And people are calling you a homo behind your back. <laughs> do you give a fuck or do you not give a fuck? You don't give two fucks. You don't give a fuck because you don't care about the people who didn't buy your record and you don't care about the, you know, you don't care about the guy who's calling you a homo because his your brain, is your brain wouldn't even let you. Your brain identify. wouldn't even let you. Okay. So again, yeah. I, you know, I, there's a number probably greater than 50%, but there's a number, a high number of women who, if they met Bulzarian, would not have sex with him. The thing mm. is, Dan is never going to know this because every woman who's around him does want to have sex with him because yeah. he creates these incredible situations where on, they're on a $300 million, $300 million yacht or they're at his $90 million house. That's the reason. And, and it's his house. So the women that came there were selected for to want to be near Dan. So from Dan's perspective, when 100 women want to have sex with me, in his mind, every woman wants to have sex with him. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. now let's take that and extrapolate that. Let's say for you, it's not hundreds or thousands of women. Let's just say it's just 100 women, period. That's 100 women. I don't care what you think. When you go out and do cold approach, the effectiveness that you're going to have on 100 women, that's going to take several nights. And you're going to have to keep going back and you're going to text them. And the girl is going to get a text message from you from a 10-digit number that she didn't save in her phone. But if you use social media, mm. it goes back and she sees the memes. She sees the cool pictures. She sees the trip to Ibiza. She sees the, the, the picture of you with the celebrity. She sees you on stage at the nightclub. She sees you with the Lamborghini. Or she sees you in the, like, the cool picture in the Valley of Fire or whatever, mm. whatever kind of social media you want to produce. Some guy's social media shows wealth and status. Some guy's social media shows wonderlust and, and travel lust. But my yeah. social media is mainly like access to scarce resources, access to scarce events and access to pre-selection. That's what my, my social media shows. So when you do those things now, my, I'm not 10, I'm not twice as effective as you. I'm not 10 times as effective as you. I'm not 10,000 times as effective as you. I'm 100,000 times more effective than you. Mm. Literally 100,000 times. Like when I say literally, I'll show you my impressions across all my social media platforms. Literally 100,000 times more effective than you not using social media. And so that's the reason. Even my bad social media is better than you in real life. But the thing is, my social media isn't bad. So now it's even more effective. And then mm. you end up seeing 54 girls at my birthday party because of it. And so do you recommend all guys make a self, like a self-generating machine in their Instagram? Say, say, take your Instagram, right? The, mm -hmm. the way that you put out your content actually feeds into you getting more gigs, feeds into you becoming more, yes. more exposure. So do you recommend that they create sort of a, a sort of a, a funnel or a if, loop? If you, if you are a self-help coach or a performance coach, or you're a VIP host, or if you're something where social media can take pictures of the cool thing you're doing, then yeah. yes. If you're an accountant, not, not so much. <laughs> uh, although, although I will say this, I know some accountants that make really funny TikTok videos and I would probably rather go to those guys for accounting 
uh, with the funny tick. I have one client who does that. He has, he uses the, the, the techniques I taught him in order to create, create a sales funnel. We haven't even talked about that at all. So I teach guys how to create sales funnels. Right. I have a team that teaches guys how to do backend on their businesses, uh, cold traffic, all that kind of stuff. So, so, um, so the, the guy used the sales funnel that I used, which ironically used zoom, like what you and I are doing right now. Yep. We did zoom calls as a little setup here. I'm using a Sony a7s. I have a ring light here. I have a, a fill light. I have boards back here for uh, soundproofing, whatever. I have my little Yeti microphone. I do, do all this stuff. Um, and, and then we use that and then we will create these huge Zoom events, uh, webinars. And then we use, from that, we show subject matter expertise. We show that we're at the top of our field as far as knowledge about the field. And then from there, we're just like, what? let me see all the free information I give. And then all of the people who are watching the webinar, of course, they're going to be like, well, I could do all this myself, but this guy's an expert. Yeah. Fuck this, I'll just give them all my business. And that's essentially what happens. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, that, and so that's, that's the sales funnel that I taught this guy how, how to do. And you know, there's other things. Obviously, I, I teach efficient market hypothesis and I teach uh, stock option trading because that's what I do for a living. That's my living living is I'm a portfolio manager. But like, um, when I, you know, I teach these things, I teach them because they're empirically true. Like you said before about statistical probabilities. Everything I do, like the first time I tried a podcast, I'm, I'm on episode 15 now. It's yep. probably the second biggest podcast in Las Vegas. Behind Mike, Mike Tyson has more views than he does. I'm not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably the second biggest podcast in Las Vegas. My first time, my first shot at a podcast, it worked. When we created MOA, it was the first time I had ever tried my own self coaching brand. The first time I tried it, it worked. Whenever I tried, um, uh, what was the other thing I did? Um, there were a couple other. Oh gosh, I can't remember now. Well, you did a TV channel. Oh yeah, yeah. The what? Aviva Vegas. Didn't you do that? Yeah, I did. I did that for a while. That didn't work, but that wasn't my idea. That was somebody else's. Okay. Um, the the first time I tried doing the whole social media thing in order to get the bikini competition, right? The first time I tried my own bikini competition, the one I did at Dre's, it worked. The first time I tried it, it worked. Was that the one like I came to? Back in Dre's? Uh, yes. Yeah, Dre's. Uh, uh, 20, no, that, the 20, 2015 would have been rehab. Dre's okay. was 2019. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first time I did it, it worked. The first time I... Um, the first time I tried hosting for the Maxim party, it worked and I got a bunch more. So the point, the point I'm trying to say is it's not that I'm intelligent, like hyper intelligent or super charismatic. The thing is when I come up with a plan to do a thing, I've done so much research before and I've looked at the statistics that I always go for the problem that isn't being solved. I try to find the market inefficiency. And so because of that, these things that I tell you about, they work when I do them, they work the first time. I don't have a lot of stories for you about the big, huge business failure because I don't really have big business failures because what I do comes with, if you're a stock options trader, you learn about this thing called Delta, which is the directional risk of the, of the derivative. Mm -hmm. that I use Delta for everything I do, right? I know there's no one, sorry, open challenge to anybody out there. There's no one who reads more books in a year than me. If you include audiobooks, there's no one in the world who gets through more audiobooks than me. Now, granted, there may be some people out there that go triple speed and all they do is listen to audiobooks and they're like in a wheelchair. Okay, yes, maybe there might be a few people like that. You know, they, they, they just don't have anything else to do. But like, like challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, challenge accepted. They don't go through, so, so ready, the number for you guys is 67. They go through 67 books in a year. And then with the 67 books, then regurgitate that on a podcast or a Zoom call for four hours every week. No one in the world can do what I do. No one. I will put that open challenge out to you. You do three, four-hour live Q&A calls per week while reading 65 books a year. Mm. Let me see you do it. And you have a two hour podcast or a 90 minute podcast that you have to produce weekly. Go for it, homie. I want to see you do that. You can't, nobody can do that. Mm. So because of that, 
because of that, that's this unique skill. I said, hey, and I'm a former U.S. military officer. So my yes. program includes a leadership part. Tell me, tell me about all the pickup programs with the leadership part to it. Nothing. Are there a lot of those? Let me tell you something else. You know what else I have in my program? I have women come on the program and talk about being physically beaten and being sexually assaulted. I have women come on my program and talk about being raped. A lot of pickup programs doing that. Have a lot of women coming on talking about being raped. Not at all. Do you understand, Sam? I saw a market inefficiency. No leadership, no accountability, right? Mm. This, this no complete lack of understanding of what women go through, complete lack of understanding, inability to be friends with women, not because, you know, not because they don't want to get put in the friend zone, but because they don't know how to communicate with women. I saw the inefficiency. I exploited it. Men of Action has grown 5X in the last year because of it. Okay. Because mm -hmm. that's why I went after. And then for my, my stock option program, again, the same situation where I sell 30 Delta puts, put spreads, $50 wide. And it doesn't matter at all that math. The point is each one of these put spreads has about a 70, 172% chance probability of profit. The market, you only use maybe, you know, 20 to 30% of my account. I'm returning my investors over 40% this year because of the strategy that I'm using where I use math in order to come up with it. So 40% return on my, for my investors, 5X growth in my company, it's not because I'm smart. It's because I use statistics in order to determine this is the high probability move. Mm. And then because of that, I don't have multiple. I honestly don't have multiple failures. The most failures I have come when I was in the military and I was trying to learn to fly a, an airplane. That was probably the most failure. I fucked up so many landings and vomited in so many airplanes. That's where a lot of failures for me happened in life. Uh, but like for this, no, I've never been. I was just saying, I've never been fired from a job. I was fired from one job, but it was it was kind of fucked up. I was working at a nightclub and they found out that I joined the military. So they preemptively fired me. That that was the only time I've, ever, I've never been fired for performance. But yeah, the, again, the, that type of situation. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this because, guys, it's very much like the situation with David Goggins. Yeah. David Goggins, where it's for him, it's just an obsession of getting it right. But he doesn't do things the smart way. Like he was when he he didn't he didn't research how to run those ultra marathons. I researched the shit out of the thing before I did the thing. That's where the 60 books a year comes from. I researched the thing. Now, granted, I will make one other, one other caveat. Because I started podcasting, I listened to a lot more podcasts. Because I listen to a lot more podcasts, I do not get through as many books. Book. So this year will probably be around 45 books. This year will not be 67 books this year. But that's the thing that I do. And every time people mention books to me, I always go through and I read those and mm -hmm. I listen to them. And for those of you who are like, well, Michael, you're listening to them. So you're not reading them that you want to know, Sam, you want to know the number one sign you can tell somebody's a failure in life. It's when they say that and they're like, well, you're not really reading the book, are you? You're just listening to it. And I'm like, well, you know, I still made a million dollars off the information from the book. You fucking hater. Like, seriously, like the fact that you even take the time to say the information went from the book into my head. Mm. I don't if you think it doesn't count because I didn't suffer through the fucking turning of the pages. You're a moron. And by the way, Bozarian's book, there is no audio version. I read the whole thing and then I interviewed him. And like you said, gave the most thorough interview anyone had ever had. So, yes, I am literate. I went to the University of Texas at Austin. I can still read. I just prefer to listen to audio books while I'm shooting free throws. That's yeah, or, 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 or put two, two, put 275 on the bench press and listen to audio books. That's what they're for. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Anyway. Research is, is your number one, you would say, like a researcher of people, research of, you know, areas, opportunities, research of everything. Would you say so there, there's there's the research and then there's the statistical probability of success based on whatever the thing is that we're trying to accomplish. So, for instance, and then also the narrowness of it, like the one thing, finding the one thing. So I asked one of my clients, I was like, what do you want to get good at? He goes, I want to get good at making money. And I just looked at him like, dude, this is a men of action program. You can't ever make answers like that. You can never answer a question like that.
I want you to tell you, tell me, what is the thing that the world, like, do, there's no free lunch, but one of the modules in MOA is called you don't deserve shit. It's actually, the, the term is deserve has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Deserve has nothing, you don't deserve shit. Because you feel good about yourself and because your mommy told you were a special snowflake, you are not then gifted a million dollars. I mean, unless you're, you know, born rich, but yeah. you're not gifted a million dollars because of that. You get that million dollars because you deserved it because you solved someone else's problem. Even if you work in finance, you're like, mm. well, how do those financiers get millions of dollars? Because they took someone else's risk. They bought a stock that someone else didn't want to own at that specific price. You took on the risk of that stock and now you have part equity in that company that could blow up, you know, become extremely um, expensive or go bankrupt. That's mm. what happened with GME. That's what happened with AMC. You took the reason why you were compensated or not compensated was because of the risk that you took on. That was the problem you solved. That's why that's the problem I solved by selling stock options is that I'm taking on other people's risk. I'm hedging off some of their risk and then I'm being compensated for it. With men of action, what is the problem that I'm solving? I'm solving the problem is that the self-help community as currently constructed is full of exceptionally passive aggressive beta males who are very, very afraid to confront one, of, one another. And so having a former U.S. decorated former U.S. military officer come in here and teach a program and then at the same time while teaching the program literally living every single fucking thing that i say in the program i'm living it while i'm doing the program hmm. that is the thing that was missing not talk about it be about it and that's the thing like i even scare my sales guys sometimes i'm like hey guys i have to go out every night for the next 60 nights what what the fuck are you talking about I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to sell a networking product and not go fucking ham. And so I started sharing my location with my sales team. I was like, every night you're going to see me out at a different spot. Now I only go out to a club for maybe 20, 30 minutes, but I'm going to shake hands with everyone. I'm going to get to know every single person at these places. I'm mm -hmm. going to network. I'm going to be at CES. I'm going to be networking with a bunch of people. Um, there's a huge TV producer. I'm going to dinner. I'm going to lunch with tomorrow. It's a really, really big TV show. Um, I'm not going to say the name of it, but he and I, he's taking me to lunch tomorrow. Um, I told you, Jeremy Piven from Entourage, a buddy of mine, he's coming on my podcast. Obviously, I have Bilzerian. Um, yep. you know, going with, these are the people that I network with. There's a, a few billionaires, uh, mm -hmm. the CEO of, I'm not going to say the name of the company. Of course. They're, yeah. a competitor, they're a competitor of Amazon. That's all I'll say. The CEO of the company is one of my buddies. We go, we go hang out all the time. We talk about SPACs and we talk about finance. I do tell him, however, because it's a really weird conversation. He is the CEO of a publicly traded company and I trade for a prop firm. So he can never tell me about the company because then I would have non-material information. Of course, yeah. So I, I tell him that I'm like, we're sitting there, like he's like drinking and we're fucking hanging out and partying. And I'm like, Hey, just, you know, don't tell me anything about the company because you understand we'll both go to jail. So yeah. like so shit like that. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's just, <laughs> that's the weird reality. And we're on stage at EDC with mm. 300,000 people around us. And here's Paris Hilton and here's this person and that person. And it's just like, I want to be able to conquer all these different parts of my life. One mm. of the reasons why Dan and I, um, mesh so well together is because Dan was like, what is the most efficient way for me to get women? What is the most efficient way for me to get money? What is the most efficient way for me to do this, become famous, blah, blah, blah. My goals were a little different than Dan's, but I did the same thing. It was like, what is the most efficient way for me to grow this unbelievable social circle? What's the most efficient way for me to rescue the most number of animals? Cause you know, that's like my number one cause. What is the most efficient way for me to help the most people or help, help the most men become the most attractive versions of themselves and not be creepy. So those were my goals. And be, uh, well, I figured out what those things were. And my first attempt at all of those goals, I was successful. My first attempt, the reason why, because I did the research. I became a subject matter expert in those things before I ventured into that case. Make sense? Is that a, is that a military thing that you find that comes through? Or is that a yeah, Texas I mean, thing? Because I see everyone in Texas the exact same. You'd say <laughs> it is could be both. It could, it could be both. I mean, because obviously uh, uh, amongst all states in the union, we have yeah. a disproportionately high number of 
of people in the US military from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it definitely could be that. But also, like, you kind of got to get it right when you're landing an airplane, right? That's not one of those things you can really get wrong. You can get it wrong, but you can only get it wrong once, right? We used to have a saying in the Air Force. Um, so there's no, there's, and I, I uh, was a navigator in a Boeing 707. It's a KC-135 with conformal fuel tanks instead of a luggage compartment. Okay. And a boom on the back where we could give gas to other airplanes. And it was, it had these overpowered engines that were like bigger engines than anything like the airlines have. And um, we could go Mach 1. Of course, if you go Mach 1, you'll destroy the airplane. We would never go Mach 1, but we had the capability of doing that. Okay. So, um, so we, we, we would sit there in the aircraft and, and one of these situations is like, we had, a, we had a joke where we'd go to Intel shops and we started talking about surface to air missiles and like, how do you defeat them? And the, the answer for a KC-135 is always to turn the opposite direction and get the fuck out of there. There's no other answer because we don't have flares, we don't have countermeasures and we don't have surface to air missiles. So they said, well, how do you defeat the surface to air missiles? It's like, well, there's one way to defeat it, but you can only do it once, right? It's the same situation here, right? There's one, there, you can fuck up on the landing. You, you'll get, but you're only going to let be, be able to do it one time. You know what I'm saying? Because then you're dead. And it's the same situation here. Like get it right the first time is sort of the ethos when you're in a life or death situation. So I just take that to the rest of my life, to the Mm. podcast. Let's get it right the first time. Let's get it right the first time. You notice there's no intro music to my podcast. You notice that? Nothing. Straight into it. Straight into it. There's no intro music. You notice there's no sponsors on my podcast. You notice that? Yeah. Right. You notice you notice that my guests. I heavily research them. We go Mm. back and forth with questions, but there's no like weird game show. There's no weird transitions. None of that. Mm. It's actually a very easy podcast to produce because I don't put any bells and whistles into it. You want to know most why? Efficient that's, way. Not, that's not what makes your podcast popular. The intro music is not what makes Joe Rogan popular. It's Joe Rogan. It's the yes. questions he asks. It's the intellectual curiosity. Can we add the bells and whistles later? Yes. But are those the things that are keys to success? I have determined they are not. So I have probably the simplest, most boring intro to any podcast in history. But you want to know what I love about my podcast? That big fucking logo behind me with the, like, the faded VHS tape logo that I have. Whenever you watch my show, when people try to add, look, there was a more plates, more dates that he took clips from my show and put it on his podcast. Mm-hmm. He didn't attribute me in the first one. Didn't matter though, because my name is big fucking letters right behind my head. So you can tell <laughs> that's that it's smart, me, that's smart. Right? Right. That's why I did that. That's exactly why I did that. Because people want to attra- attribute or, or use my, uh, you know, they want to use my, right. my videos for fair use. Mm. That's fine. I don't mind, by the way. The guy totally, he didn't even have to ask for permission. I, I was honored that he would even use my clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, uh, the, but the situation with that is like, uh, for me, the bells and whistles, the transitions, the funny music and the game shows on your podcast are not what makes your podcast great. Mm-hmm. Another thing, Sam, you want to know what else I do? You don't do. I have women on there that do adult content. They've come on my podcast. Do yep. you ever hear me asking about how big's your tits or who did you fuck? Do you ever hear me talk about anything lascivious ever on the not podcast? Once. Not once at no, all. They do. I have. So I have Callie Carter and Jessica Rhodes, two porn stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming on the podcast at the beginning of December. Yep. When they go on like No Jumper or they go on, uh, what's his name? Um, some of these other podcasts, it's going to be like, yeah, so what's it like when you fuck three guys at once? Like really lascivious stuff like that. I'm never, I'm not going to ask them that. Mm-hmm. Someone else can ask them that. I did not minor in astrophysics to fucking ask human beings stupid fucking questions like that. I'm going to ask them questions about, hey, dude, what is it like? Like how is difficult is it going to be for you? Seriously, like when you're with a man, and it yes. comes to the point where it's like, hey, I have to leave right now and I am going to have sexual intercourse with another man. I want you to describe the feeling and how do you overcome that? Because I'm genuinely curious from a philosophical and psychological question, how do you deal with that? That's the question I'm going to ask. The tough and I question. promise you, I promise you on a long-term scale, that's a better question than oh. how big are your implants? 
Do you understand? Hundred percent. I mean, it's actually it's more substance. There's substance there. Something yes, to enjoy out of it. Correct. Oh, I love that. Well, well there's some, but there's all there's also a way to relate to her because when you watch girls on porn, most guys are not relating to the experience of those women. No. A lot of those women were like they came up from broken homes. They mm. had no money. They were pimped out by some dude. They ended up on a casting couch, ended up having sex for money. They ended up doing porn because of it. They got caught up in a cycle. Then there was drugs involved. They get caught up in this horrible cycle. And we just look at them like they're just, they were just made to be fucked by men. And that's all they're good for in the world. And mm. we feel good about ourselves from having that belief. No, you don't understand the shit that they went through. You don't. Now, I'm not saying all of them did. Like, for instance, I'm friends with um, Asa Kira. And I think she's, she actually comes from a good home and she's super fucking educated. Mm. Uh, but some, some of the girls... They're, they're not like that. They just went through some fucked up shit. Some of them didn't go through any fucked up shit. They were just really fucking normal. It doesn't matter. But the point, the point I'm trying to make is if you, you can't relate to it from their standpoint and you don't understand, like for instance, the idea of a, so, of a porn star being raped on a porn set, it's happened before. Yeah, definitely. But the police won't take it seriously. It's actually, ha- this is a dark fucked up thing that I'm probably going to ask them about that yeah. no one will talk about because we don't have any respect for these human beings because they fulfill our fantasies. Like to me, like that's ridiculous. I want to understand the human condition. That's what I'm, that's what I have a goal to do. And then I also want to figure out what is the most efficient way for me to help the most number of people that I can help. Right. And sometimes I go off on a tangent this Wednesday, bro, off on a tangent. three, three yeah. hour podcast this Wednesday on quantum mechanics, relativity and Newtonian physics. Three hours I go with this theoretical physicist. And part of the science book next week, bro. You know, I have a science book just trying to get every terminology correct. It doesn't matter what you do, like we can find some commonality. Like you came from someone and you got over something. Hmm. And the way you dealt with it was different. But like I am, like for instance, I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna say it out loud because I want to manifest it. I want to interview OJ Simpson. He lives near me. Uh, I have we have a we have a a lot of friends in common. Yeah. Um, and and so I intend on like trying to get him on the podcast. When well, he I took do, a photo not, of you, didn't he? Didn't he take a photo yeah, of you? Two girls? A it was a joke. It oh, was okay. a joke. He he definitely came up and talked to those girls, but he didn't take a, he didn't take a photo. It was a joke. <laughs> right. Uh, he was definitely there. He was within like 10 feet of us taking a yeah, photo, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't take the photo. Um, so so the thing about it is with OJ, I'm not going to do what other, like I have friends of mine like, yeah, say OJ, did you mean to kill them and do all this? I'm like, those mm. questions have been asked for 26 years. Mm. I want to know what's it like walking around being one of the most famous people in the world? Mm-hmm. what's that like what's it like like going out in public and like literally everyone in the world knows who you are you know what i'm saying while at the same time yep oj simpson we forget was the lebron james of football of the 1970s 100 percent, yeah OJ, like he was and i say lebron james because there's no equivalent right now maybe derrick henry maybe but like there's no equivalent in the nfl right now to what what oj simpson was in the 1970s he was the most effective offensive player he was the most dynamic, devastating offensive player in the entire decade of the 1970s. And all we think about is this guy doing Hertz commercials and murdering his wife. That's the only way we see him. And there's a full story there. And I want to know the rest of it. I also want to like, I would like to ask him about CTE. Like what kind of, what, what, what happened as far as concussions did the experience? We know what happened with Junior Seau. He experienced concussions and ended up, you know, taking a shotgun to his chest. Mm. He killed himself that way because he wanted to preserve his brain because he wanted it to be, it to be studied because he knew that the concussions had caused him to act differently. Did that happen to Aaron Hernandez also when he yes. ended up committing murder? Of course. Is that what happened to OJ Simpson? Isn't that something, I, isn't that something you'd rather know? Mm. Isn't that a question that hasn't really been thoroughly asked? Why can't we ask that question instead? Instead of, was it fun killing your wife? Like that type of shit. Like what, what kind of answer do you expect to get here? You know? So for me, it's like, for me, it's like, let's take the high road. 
yeah. I, I don't take the high road because I think I'm better than other people. I take the mm-hmm. high road because no one else is taking the high road. That's yeah. the reason. No saying? one's explored it. Statistically, yeah. no one's explored it. So yeah, so no, yeah, exactly. No one's as far as as far as the podcast is concerned, but also with men of action, as far as that's concerned, mm-hmm. no one takes it. We have a rule in MOA when we have a choice between something lascivious and something attractive, we always choose attractive. We always choose attractive. I never want, I never want my clients to like, look at this big ass shake, you know, big ass shaking next to my head and they're bouncing their head off this big ass, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dude, that's like cool for 10 seconds, but then you kind of look like a clown. But if I take a picture with like two, like world-class published cover models and we're all smiling and they're like, they're like at their hands on me. Enjoying, yeah. That's, the first, yeah. That enjoying the, my presence. Yeah. That's way more effective as far as pre-selection and status is concerned than a big old ass bouncing up next to your head. Yeah, it speaks value on a, a mass amount more value just in that yes, one photo choosing, than anything you can do. I love you're that. You're choosing lascivious over attractive. You should always choose attractive. You yeah. are almost like a celebrity, but even before uh, this, you feel connected. You are a celebrity at this point. Me? I don't know yes. about that. I, if I'm a celebrity, I might, I might. It's funny. I have there's so, all these fake accounts in my IG, and yet I don't have a blue check mark. So I don't feel that much like a celebrity. But yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, I mean, the second second video you post on TikTok, it's 14 points. So I think it's at 15 million now. You know? Yeah, it's so, 15 million views. Yeah. yeah, 15 million. So it's like, and at this point. Even before you work, because someone could say, look, you know, Michael's got 40,000 followers. He's, he's blowing up on TikTok. He's got, you know, 1.2 million likes on TikTok. He's blowing up on YouTube, 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. You got millions of views on that. You were like this before too. You were able to connect with these high-level people, these CEOs, these, these billionaires, yeah. executives. So for someone yeah, like- Yeah, the guy, the guy I'm going to lunch with tomorrow doesn't give a fuck about my Bulgarian. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care at all. He just likes talking to me because he like, he understands um, the problem, the- the best plastic surgeon in Las Vegas is one of my buddies. We go to uh, watch the Knights together and go watch the Raiders together. Yeah. And we talk about, we were discussing about people not learning from their mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. We got into the discussion about, um, so I, it, this is way off the topic, but like in the United States, we're sort of taught that the U.S. won World War II. But in Europe, we all know that it was the brunt of the German forces were taken out by the Russians. Yes, the Russians course. lost 25 million people. That's not what I was taught. In my Texas high school, that is not what we were taught. Yeah. The reality of the situation is the Americans fought valiantly, but we were the fullback that took the ball over the goal line. That's essentially what we were. We got there at the end. We had the best technology. And we did whip the shit out of the fucking Germans. Don't get that wrong. But they, You were, you were the, the, the Zuckerberg brunt. getting credit for metaverse. You know, yeah, so... Did. Sure, sure. I'm not, I'm not, but again, every single person that lost their life in World War II and every single person that went over their fight, the bravery cannot be overstated. I'm not saying that. What I am saying that is while the United States lost about half a million troops, uh, Russia lost 25 million people, including civilians. They took on the brunt of that. But because we didn't like Russia when I was being taught this in the 1980s and 1990s, I was taught that the Americans won World War II. And the video games I played showed me that the Americans won World War II. And so recently, now they start to depict uh, Russians. But the point, the point I make is I'm sitting there with this guy who's this plastic surgeon. Those are the type of discussions that we're having. He doesn't give a fuck about my, my podcast. He doesn't give a fuck about all these girls. He, we have a, a high level discussion with a guy who's extreme, who, you know, uh, he's a doctor from Princeton. This guy's really, really intelligent. So that's the reason why we, we talk about the things that we talk about. Same thing's going to happen tomorrow when I, the TV producer I'm going out with tomorrow, we're going to sit, sit there and talk about a bunch of stuff. And when I talk to, um, you know, Pivot, that we don't, we, we don't sit there and just talk with, we, I don't make him turn into Ari Gold for me and do impersonations of Ari Gold. Mm-hmm. I want to know about like his transition from acting to going to stand up comedy. That's a really tough transition. I don't know many people that have gone that way. I know a lot of people who've gone the other way, stand-up comedy to acting, like Bill Burr, for instance. But I don't know many people that have gone acting to stand-up comedy 
over the age of 45 starting your stand-up comedy career. That's not, that's, that's new. Oh, so yeah. that's the kind of things that I would ask. That's the kind of thing I would ask them about. I try to go, I, got, I try to zig where everybody else zags when it comes to my interviews. And I think that's why the interviews come out so well. Would you credit, because you know so much, because of the books, because of everything, would you credit your vast uh, array of, of research and knowledge to your ability to be able to communicate with high status people better? Maybe in the mid, mid game, mid phase, maybe okay. in the beginning, no, in the beginning, you want to elicit them doing most of the talking and talk to them about, I, I, I tell the story all the time. Uh, you know what Neil Strauss's favorite book is? Uh, oh, 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 no, I don't. It, it's Ulysses by James Joyce. He talks about it in the book. The Ulysses, game, okay. I know yeah. yeah. So when I met, when I met Neil Strauss, I met him at a Skrillex concert. What would everyone else have asked Neil Strauss about? Yeah, the game, this, that, yeah. The game, pick up, all these yeah. women he's with, Courtney Love, yada, yada, yada. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, I need help getting through uh, Ulysses. I'm, I've ha- I'm really trying to read this fucking book, and it's not making a lot of sense. So he gave me his number. We started talking from that point forward. Okay. Like crazy? Yeah, yeah because I went a different direction. And he talked about it for a while, he, right? And so that's the reason why we became friends. So that that's what I'm talking about. You also said with like, that, that Mike, with Mike Tyson, you talked about uh, his podcast. Like yeah, that. with Mike Tyson. So I met Mike Tyson. It was December 30th. We, we all went to dinner. Jeremy Piven invited me to dinner. So I brought some girls. Hmm. And while we were there, I talked to Mike Tyson. He's like, I recognize you from somewhere. So Mike Tyson, I think he'd seen some of my Babes and Toilet videos or something. Okay. And so we started talking about, and I didn't have a podcast at this point. Hmm. Uh, so I didn't, but I started talking to him about the podcast. And now I reached out to his manager uh, last week and asked him if he'd come on the podcast. But he's Mike Tyson. I don't know if he's going to come yeah. on the podcast. But maybe. I think I have to, I, I think, I think I got to do something crazy to break the internet two or three times. Like what no jumper did with that girl is like, I suck, I suck their dicks. Like that girl. <laughs> like, I think I have to do something like that. Uh, but again, you know, we talked about lascivious. That was the most genius thing I've ever seen in my life. Cause he was like, she brought up that story. He did not bring up that story. Yeah. He goes, she goes, I came in while mid while I was fucking this guy. And then they all got in a circle and I sucked their dicks. Was that the? Like, do you remember that? Dude, the, I, I, every time I watch that video, was that the Suns, the basketball huh? thing, girl? Yes, exactly. It was the yeah. girl who the girl who slept with all the sun, the Phoenix Suns players. Yes, it's no, exactly yeah, what no. it was. At, at that bit, the, that, now that video, like he, I, I will tell you, he might not. Have, I'd say half of his views from that point forward came from that video. Not yeah. not from that video, but like I started watching No Jumper because of that video. I feel no. like I have to I have to do a couple of those things, a couple of those sound bites. That's why I post those thirty second. Um, Reels every day. Well, they they're, they're doing yeah. they're doing amazing and stuff like that, and that's where your marketing yeah. strategy is very very good. You know, yeah, how to create yourself and put yourself in the best limelight, as well as is that through all your experience with dealing with high status girls, putting yourself in the right limelight, your social media presence and stuff like that. Is that how you're able to know what will captivate the audience? You believe so, so when you when you talk about long long form content, so with podcasting and YouTube, that's a li- that's clear. There's a little bit of overlap, but it's a different world than social media. Yeah, social media for me is like I have like I know mm-hmm. that unless I you know sit there and pose shirtless and I might try and I'm specifically trying to attract homosexual men, like nobody wants to just look at me, dude. Like seriously, Sam, nobody wants to look at me. No matter how attractive we are as men, nobody really go like, like unless you're like Sam Ascari, Britney Spears. Yeah, of course. Uh, yes. Fiance for my podcasting and YouTube, my long form content. I didn't learn that from the social media platform. I learned that from other podcasters. They, so I, I contact other podcasters and I have them on my podcast frequently. And then they give me the tips on how to do this. I just do it more than anyone else. So I, because I timestamp my own episodes, I go through the timestamp the next day and then I pick out 30 second clips to put on reels and TikTok. 
And the, those 30 second clips have been probably half the traffic that go to my podcast. Right. Uh, probably comes from that. On my, if you go to my link tree right now, like 65% of my traffic comes from TikTok. Mm, wow. Okay. That, that, that's the biggest Which thing. Goes back to, so the idea of using TikTok in order to grow a podcast is a bit novel. It's not the first thing you would think of, right? Of course. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. working tremendously. It is working. It is working. And Twitter has been absolutely useless. Like, and, and people even been re, reposting stuff like Twitter. Like I get no traction from that because to be fair, Twitter, Twitter is a pretty irrelevant social media platform, unless you're famous, then it's extremely relevant. Yes. If you're, if you're famous and you're trying to let your fans know shit, like you're an athlete or whatever, Twitter is extremely relevant. But if you're not famous, Twitter is not as relevant. They all have their purpose somewhere or another. Instagram yeah. has its purpose. Yeah. You do majority. Would you put, say you put most of your time into Instagram? Yes. Yeah. Because, because I can then take the, this, I can take the reels from Instagram and put them on Snapchat and TikTok. And then I can take the stories from Instagram and put them on Facebook story and Snapchat. I can take any of that stuff and put it on Twitter. And then the photos that I take that I post on Instagram, I can also put those post those on Twitter and um, and uh, Facebook. Mm, so I, I bounce I bounce a lot of content. Yeah, because I remember that back in the day you were hectic on Facebook. You would post the what the the funny things the girls would say during the week mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I remember that. Yeah, always a fa yeah Facebook Facebook quote of the day. So basically, somebody would say something, and then I would just completely take their quote out of context, yeah. and I would post it. Facebook quote of the day. And they were just like horrible, kind, like horrible. It's like, some girl was like all the men in Vegas that don't have cocaine or fucking peasants or some crazy shit like that. Like it was, and it was completely taken out of context, but I didn't care because no one was getting trouble for social media back yeah. in 2011. So nobody cared. When yeah. I was doing that. That, that, was, that was back in the days and stuff like that. Perfect. Last question, my friend, before we wrap up, if you could change one thing about the world. What would that be? Uh, for me, it would be uh, population control. And I don't mean, I don't want to kill anybody, but I think we need to incentivize people, especially women. Uh, we need to put them in positions where their only play, thing they can do in like South Sudan or in, in, in Jakarta, Indonesia, is to just have seven, eight, nine kids. Um, I think one of the main problems that we're going to have, or my kids or grandkids are going to have, is when the population of this planet becomes 22 billion people, and all the people who are right now who are complaining about genetically modified organisms, GMOs, guess what? You either have population control, or you eat GMOs. You don't have it both ways. If you don't want to eat GMOs, you need to stop having people have so many fucking kids. If you do want to eat GMOs, then go ahead and have go ahead and have as many kids as you want. Uh, we we don't need this many humans on the planet. And it's not that I hate humans, and I'm not I'm not Thanos. I don't want to I don't want to make all the half the humans disappear. But I do. I would very much like to incentivize human beings to really slow down and take take note of the fact that we don't have a necessity. Our species is not endangered right now. All we do is, as the population increases, all we do is increase the probability of mass extinction. Personally, that's what I think. We increase the the uh, likelihood of extremely um, contentious conflict, which leads to nuclear uh, uh, annihilation, which leads to world war, which leads to you know a famine, all these kind of things. As we increase the population, have you ever been to the city of, of Los Angeles? You know, there's 18 million people that live in that area. Mm. It would be just fine with one million people. It would be a beautiful, beautiful, yeah. fun, wonderful place with no traffic with one million people. <laughs> It'd be a terrific place. If you took away 90% of the actors in Los Angeles, would you have enough actors? You'd have more than enough actors. Yeah. There's plenty of, I'm just saying like, it's not that I dislike people, but there's plenty of people on this planet already. We don't need to keep increasing the population. The other thing that happens is in, in the majority of the world, not as much in the US because there's more women in college now than men, 
But in the majority of the world, women are subjugated into places where they don't, they're not allowed to participate in, in um, you know, higher education. And so because, or it's harder for them to participate in higher education. If you're part of a certain caste system in India, for instance, you can't go to certain schools, you just can't afford it. Um, I think that if we promote women being able to get more educated, they wait longer to have children. They don't have seven, eight, nine kids. And we can help the population problem that along that way. And also there's a, there's a huge number of women in the world that can never get into science, technology, engineering, or mathematic fields because of this, the fact that they were born in Papua New Guinea or Namibia or Sudan or Jakarta, they can't get into those fields. And so because of that, there's some Nobel prize winners in there that were missing mm. uh, because of that situation. So we'd have more Nobel prize winners. We'd have fewer population. We finished, we fixed the problem with GMOs. We fixed the problem with climate change. Wherever you stand on that, that, that thing, the world's still cleaner with fewer people. I'm sorry, you can't argue that, okay? We fixed the problem with cutting down trees. We fixed the problem with traffic. We fixed the problem with carbon dioxide. We fixed all these problems. Listen guys, 4 billion, could you give me 4 billion? 4 billion people is enough people. Yeah. 4 billion? Five billion, is that enough? Do we need eight? We really need eight, right? You gotta have eight billion, really? Dude, by the time you and I die, Sam, there'll be 22 billion people on this planet. Really? We really need 22 billion people, really? Yeah, we definitely don't need that. Again, man, like the majority of the Earth's population lives on $1 a day, and you think we need more fucking people? Like something like the top 300 wealthiest people in the world have as much wealth as the as the bottom, 50% 50% wealthy, like least poorest people in the world. Like the wealth distribution is so, so fucked mm-hmm. on this planet right now. Yeah. And you want more people, a billion people living on less than a dollar a day, 2 billion, 3 billion people living on that. And you think we need to have, go out, go forth and multiply? Fuck you. No, yeah. I, I would say the one, if you solve the most problems, the most problems would be incentivize people to have let have fewer children. To, to be personally, I think that would be it. And I want to have a kid, which is one. And then the other thing I would say is, um, you know, read, uh, read Ray Kurzweil's uh, the, the Singularity is Near. In that book okay. he talks about at the end, he talks about like sex androids and then women being able to have children with other women by like taking the DNA, the 23 alleles from two women, putting them together and, and creating their own DNA strand so they wouldn't even need men anymore. That could be a reality. Not a happy one, but it would be a situation where men really don't have sex with women anymore. And women, uh, women have like, you know, they have children made in a test tube. That could be a reality. You think it's out there, but it's not that far out there. You know, cloning and all this kind of stuff, artificial intelligence. But no, to me, population control would be for a for hundred years after I die, that will be the number one issue, I think. Damn. Well, thank you very much for today. Where can yep. people find you, my friend? Where can um, every, everything says Michael Sartain. So on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, YouTube, everywhere it's going to say Michael Sartain. The only place it's different is on TikTok. It's Michael Sartain podcast. Okay. It's the only place because TikTok kept taking down my, uh, you're the one taking down one of my TikToks after another because, oh, these girls have boobies. Let's take them down. Let's let everyone look at 14 year old girls shake their ass, but not boobies. Those are bad. <laughs> Chinese, pe- Chinese people don't like butts and ass, like don't like asses and boobs anymore. So they can take my shit down all the time. Whatever. I hope they're listening right now. I hope the Zoom Chinese people are listening to me on this Zoom right now. Yeah, they definitely are. (laughs) I love it. It's literally like going through China to Australia right now. Uh, But yeah, man, that that uh, anything that Michael Sartain on Instagram is on Instagram, you will find my link tree. My link tree will take you every single place you want to go. And listen, these next four interviews coming up on my podcast. They're going to blow you away. I really do think that there are going to be some really interesting ones. But I do like the fact that I have a podcast where 
I have two people coming on from uh, Montreal mm-hmm. uh, or from Quebec. The mm-hmm. first one is uh, a theoretical physicist from who worked at Cambridge UNLV and is now at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And the second one from Quebec is a 15-time playmate, both from Quebec. Wow. Right? One week after another, questions are completely different, but they're, but I'm, I'm having them back-to-back on my podcast. And I, I, I want to show the breadth of the astrophysicist and the porn star, right? The flat earther and the, and the theoretical physicist. I want them on the show at the same time. That's what Crazy. I'm doing. Well, it's definitely a, a, a different form of podcast that I've ever listened to. And I definitely recommend everyone to go check it out instantly, especially your yes. and that, that was fantastic. That was, you know, again, as I said, one of the best ones I've, I've heard. And if you, if you want to dig deeper, man, and you want to learn about the men of action program, if you really want to like listen to me scream at you for 12 hours and like change your, by the way, you don't want to join my program. If you kind of want to change your life, you want to join my program. If you have, if it is change or die. Yeah, we tell the guys when you sign up, change or die. My program is hard. Many of you will cry a lot, of, but all of you, I will hold every single one of you accountable if you change the program. And you're going to be a person who you, you do what you say you're going to do. You under promise, you over deliver. Everyone is going to be like that motherfucker right there keeps his, keeps his word, works harder than everyone else. And damn, why does my girlfriend keep staring at it? Like that's, that's essentially what's going to happen. <laughs> that's awesome i love that well thank you very much mr sartain for coming on i appreciate it i look forward to having you very shortly again it's riveting having you on and learning all about you and your experiences awesome man talk to you soon appreciate it take care sam